Good morning. Good morning. Well, I just uh, let's start out. I'd like to check in with you on uh, what is the state of your mind and how much joy is present. So just think about that. Yes. Um, <coughs> these past few weeks have been really a time of getting messages that people, a lot of illness. I've had uh, a couple of friends diagnosed with new cancers, and my older daughters uh, had to go through some surgery, and my dog fell and hurt her leg and is struggling. So as I was thinking of coming here, I was thinking, boy, do I ever need <laughs> something that relates to developing more capacity uh, for joy because I was feeling depleted. And I, last night, I felt sort of flat and dull um, as we started. And then the more you talked about joy and after we had our meditation, you guided us through that, it's just like I felt sort of an opening and definitely um, more peace and uh, more positive thoughts. And that carry over to this morning? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. In fact, I don't think it started that much last night. I think it developed more during the night because mm -hmm. I felt it more this morning. That's really good. Now, are you completely joyful? Mm -hmm. <laughs> as long as I stay in the present moment uh -huh. yeah. yes. That's right. <laughs> if, yeah. if the sort of fear and stuff yeah. if my mind starts with what if this, mm -hmm. what if that uh, no, it's easy to drop back into that depleted yeah. uh, that's absolutely right because yeah uh, you, the, the joy is there when you are present with what is, and you accept it, and and it really is a natural state of the mind. But it's whenever your thoughts come in that are wrestling with reality, that don't want to accept things the way they are, or think about the way they could be different, and all this other stuff. That's then you might still have some joy, but you don't have as much. And, and so that's that's really good that we can look at that and you can see that. And I find that where I get tripped up too is when I have um, when I have expectations mm -hmm. of how things should be, and also when I get into judgments yes. about, especially about fairness, about things being fair or unfair. Judgment, expectation. Those are two really important words for us to keep in mind and to call upon when we're trying to, when we're looking at our, our mental state and seeing how much joy is and isn't there, to keep in mind that wherever there's judgment, wherever there's expectation, there's going to be less joy. Thank you. So, anyone else like to say anything about the state of joy that, or lack thereof, or a combination of both joy and non-joy that you're experiencing? I'd like to say, um, for me, joy is, uh, it's re it really brings up a huge amount of uh, appreciation and gratitude. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel that, and yeah. I want to thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, but you did it. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's you know, this is these are some of the things that we talked about last night. Is uh, what a little bit about what causes joy and a little bit about what joy does, and we'll see that there is there's a positive cycle inherent in that. That the more pleasantness, the more happiness, the more good that we are aware of, that we experience, that we connect with then the more we experience joy. And the more we experience joy, the more, the easier it becomes for us to connect with those pleasant things and to experience happiness and so forth. But if, if, if that's all there was to it, 
then, you know, the first good thing that ever happened to you would launch you into a state of joy and you'd be there the rest of your life, right? <laughs> so there's obviously a little more to it. Yes? Well, I've been thinking about this. It's not exactly where I'm at, but I think you associated last night joy and happiness a lot. And what I've been thinking about is uh, you have to create your own joy. You have to create, I mean, because you're not always feeling happy, even when you can, when you mm -hmm. feel joyful. Maybe when you feel joyful, then you feel happy. Yes. But don't you think you could be very sort of unhappy or stressed, like one was talking mm -hmm. about, and try to create joy? Absolutely, yes. And that's, I mean, mind, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's really the point of this, yeah. is, that, is that what can we do when we're not feeling happy? And what can we do when there's not very much joy in our mind or in our life? Yeah. So, and you can't. You can create it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded about like, something you just said. I, a few days ago, I watched the Jimmy Stewart movie, Harvey, which I hadn't seen in maybe 30 years, a very long time. Which was the movie? Harvey. Harvey. Um, Jimmy Stewart and the tall, invisible white rabbit. Oh, yes, yeah, right, yeah. And he's a very happy man. Yeah. Um, and near the end of the movie, there's this one-liner. He said, well, my mother told me many years ago, <laughs> in this life, my son, you have to be very, very smart, or you have to be very, very pleasant. <laughs> I've tried being smart for a lot of years, and then I coming over to being pleasant. <laughs> and if you don't know better, pleasant sounds like such a nothing word, you know, so bland. Yeah. But he's a happy man. Yeah. And a joyful one. <laughs> that's right. Oh, thank you for that. That's a that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> it's very very true. <laughs> and you can, as I'm sure a lot of you know, you can be awfully smart and not very happy. <laughs> yes, you had something. Last night, um, on the way home and, and after we got there, we were working on our, our laundry list of what are the methods that we have for attaining joy, for, for finding happiness, for being pleasant. <laughs> That's a great word. I love that word. <laughs> and um, but that we were thinking about, yeah, what do we, what do we have? And <laughs> we were we were discussing last night, uh, Skylar and I, what are our techniques? What do we have in the moment of stress or upset that can bring us to happiness or joy? I go, what what do you do? You know, you're just like you're in this. And what what do we have? And we you know we're talking about being in the moment and, and our our um, our breath and uh, and going into a meditative state. You know we, we have these things which is sometimes accessible, sometimes isn't. You know if you're going driving down the road and you're stressed out, somebody just tried to take you out. Meditation might not be the right thing in that moment unless you're really good at doing it in movement. You know. <laughs> right. So, uh, what do we have? And so that's our discussion and, and our, our intention was to see if, with your help, we could broaden our understanding of what we can do in those moments, um, so that that unreality that's out there can stop and not enter into our our um, our life and our you know not to not to throw us off because you know, we want to be centered. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well that's yeah, that's uh, that's what we that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna all talk about together is the things that we can but you know you in in yours and Tyler conversation you've already mastered the first part of this which, and maybe everybody here has, I hope so, but it's worth pointing out because most of the people in the world have it. And that's realizing that it's, it happens inside here, right? And that you can do something about it. Most people, they're unhappy 
if they're joyless, that's I am that way. Nothing I can do. Wait until it goes away, right? And that's not true. Uh, <laughs> and joylessness is just as potentially self-perpetuating as joyfulness is. Uh, and if you if if there is no is there is no intent to make a shift, then then you're leaving it totally up to chance that somebody or something else unpredictably is going to come along to bump you out of that joyless, unhappy state you're in. So the first hugely important step, maybe completely obvious to everybody, is uh, that you you can you are responsible. Really, it's it's if you're responsible for anything, it's you are responsible for the intentions that arise in the present moment with regard to who and what you are. The intentions with regard to who and what you are. Who and what you are isn't your responsibility now. You you created that in the past. So you've inherited the self that you are at this moment. But what you do with that, that is your only responsibility in this life, and that gets renewed moment by moment, so you continue to be responsible for what what intentions you're going to give rise to and where you're going to go. So we're going to talk about the different ways that uh, we can deal with that. Um, one of the things that I mentioned last night, and just remind you of, and, and we're going to draw on the ancient teachings of these expert people who have uh, spent so much time and energy looking into this. And in the Bo- we're going to use the Buddhist teachings as a resource. And um, I would just like you to be willing to entertain the possibility that they're on to something here. So we can use it as a guideline. And remember, I did mention that in one part of, of uh, uh, that massive accumulation of wisdom called the Abhidhamma, they make the point referring to to PT, joy, as being a mental factor that is always present. And is that puzzling to you? Have you ever been have you ever been in a state that seemed to you totally joyless? <laughs> and is it puzzling to you? Well, why would these brilliant people who have spent so much time exploring their own minds come and tell us that that the mental factor of joy is never absent, it's always present. How could that be? The other thing that I spoke to you about was that the amount of joy that you experience, and especially when you experience really intense joy, what has taken place is a unification of your mind. Thinking of your mind as many different mental processes trying to go different ways. And when they start to come together to coalesce and even to a small degree function in harmony, you begin to experience more joy. These two things are related. And one of the things in starting our conversation today the way I did was just I wanted you to look at yourself this morning, the state you're in. You got up this morning and, oh, it's a beautiful day and, you know, uh, now you're in this place with these beautiful people. There's all kinds of wonderful, positive things. But I'm sure a lot of you haven't been ecstatically joyful continuously since you got up. <laughs> right? There's, there's been moments of frustration, disappointment, impatience. Any, any of those things for any of you? All of those things. Uh, periods of uh, just sort of blahness, nothing, nothing especially good or especially bad. But there's been some joy in there, probably because we talked about it last night and we thought about it and it's on your mind and you're coming here. There has been some joy as well. So definitely the normal state of things is kind of a mixed bag. There's some joy, but there's a lot of other stuff as well. And that's... That's uh, the important thing to recognize, is that there are these different things present simultaneously. So we say that 
that we think of joy as a state of mind. It's a state in which your very complex, multi-part mind is in. And we can define the state as joyful when it reaches that tipping point where your mind tends to be more aware of the good, the beautiful, and the wholesome. Where it tends to perceive the positive aspects of whatever you pay attention to. And where you tend to experience feelings of pleasure and happiness to a greater degree in response to these perceptions than you do when you're when you haven't reached that tipping point. So it's a state, a continuously evolving and changing state of mind. And there's a on, and on this spectrum, there's the place where the more positive is happening, and that's the joy part. But sometimes you're right in between, and you can be way over here, just hugely, ecstatically joyful. You can be way over here, where you're just totally joyless, and you just wonder, even another moment of life is almost too much to bear, and you can be absolutely anywhere in between. And in fact, you're always kind of moving. You're not, you're not stuck in any one place for very long. So, so what we're talking about doing is learning how to, to shift the state in the right direction and, and understanding how that works, moving in that way. Okay. Anyone else have anything that they would like to share about their own introspective examination of their mind this morning? Yes, ma'am. I wonder this shifting of one, from one extreme to the other, isn't that related also to the different stages of joy? I mean, you cannot always be, yesterday was this word of overflowing cup. I know when I'm in meditation and I'm working with conflicts, just by being there gives me joy. Yeah. So this is the first step of just acknowledging, accepting it. And even if it's not an exuberant feeling, it's yes, yeah. I'm doing it. And that's joy too, right? Yes, that's joy too. Anyone else have anything to say? Well, this morning I got up and did something, did something that I do pretty well every morning. I turn on my computer and I go to the USA Today page. So look at the headlines. See, anything new happening in the world? And to tell you the truth, most of the time, a quick scan and some yeah. <laughs> Same old stuff. <laughs> Nothing I need to spend my time and energy paying attention to. But I, I, I also, when I do that, I'm aware of the quality of most of the ideas that are thrust upon you when you, you know, uh, look at a newspaper or an internet uh, news page like that. Or for that matter, if you tune into the evening news or whatever. It's predominantly bad news, right? The idea of news is what's going wrong, or what's going to go wrong next, or what terrible thing that's happening. And uh, so you can ask yourself, okay, well, this much bad stuff is really going on. You know, how, how am I going to be joyful in this world? How am I supposed to be joyful? And here's where you have to start examining this all a little more closely. Because this morning when I looked, uh, I don't know, one of the first things that jumped out at me is, is the unemployment rate is still stuck at 9.3% and it hasn't changed. And uh, I thought, yeah, I guess that's bad. And then I thought, well, okay, do I know that? Uh, I don't even know what the unemployment rate's supposed to be when things are good. Does anybody here know what the unemployment rate's supposed to be when things are good? Three percent, three, four percent. Three, four percent. Well, they don't say that. They, you know, so I just take it for granted. Well, I guess everybody else in the world knows, like you do, <laughs> what a good unemployment rate is. Therefore, therefore, they understand how bad this is, whereas. I don't, but it sounds like it's bad. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and of course, 
They don't say that 90.7% employment rate. <laughs> uh, just look at, the, look at the bad side of it. But so much of this bad news that you're looking at, uh, here, when I look at it, I'm comfortable in my chair with my cup of tea, uh, sort of gradually letting myself uh, wake up and be in the world again. That's all pretty, pretty darn nice, you know. Um, and it would be so easy to let myself be affected by these ideas that are being thrown at me. This message that, well, I should worry, I should be upset, I should be unhappy, I should be angry at somebody, uh, I should have all this bad feeling going on. But that is totally nonsense. That is really nonsense. Uh, as, uh, at the very same time that somebody might be looking at this news and reacting to it, they still are sitting comfortably in their chair with their cup of tea or coffee or whatever. You know. And there is some part of their mind that knows that and is enjoying that. And is actually quite attached to that. Right? So, are they joyful or are they not joyful? Well, it depends on what they pay attention to in the moment. They pay attention to how nice it is to sit here on this beautiful morning and check in, see what's happening. They're joyful. If they get involved in all the story that's associated with it that they're looking at, then the joy might all seem to disappear. But they're both present at the same time. Both things are always present to some greater or lesser degree. When the, when the cup's overflowing with joy. It's because you're way over, you, your mental state is shifted to where you're not really paying attention to any of that negative stuff. It doesn't mean that you still don't have some pains in your body, that, that there aren't some things, some problems you haven't solved that you, you need to deal with. It doesn't mean any of that. Because the world continues to be the world. Life as a human being continues to be life as a human being. But it's what our minds do with, with that, that. That's really what's going on in these different states, and that's what we want to get a handle on. So right now, uh, right now in this moment, how much is there that is positive, that is uh, conducive to the joyful state of mind, in your present experience. And how much other stuff is there? Let's focus on the other stuff a little bit. What is there that's not so joyful about my existence in this present moment? I'm having trouble finding very much, but <laughs> there's stuff there. But, you know, if, if I wanted to, uh, I could start, my mind could start judging, and my mind could raise, you know, like the headline banners on the, uh, on the newspaper, could raise up some expectations about the way things should be, but they're not. And uh, my mind could start raising all of these problems that are probably going to happen in the future. You know, might might run out of money, might uh, get sick, might develop cancer, uh, someone I love might die, uh, I'm going to die. Uh, there's all kinds of things, all, all kinds of things that... But now I want you to notice the difference between all of those kinds of things and the, the, uh, the joyful things. And, and tell me what difference you can identify. Yes? Well, one difference was I think constantly is uh, projecting 
into the future. Exactly. Getting very affected by it. And that's yeah. such a waste of time. Yes, because the future is a real thing? No. The future is an imaginary thing. It's a fantasy. I said, I'm sure some of you that are so good at knowing the future that everything's always turned out the way that you expected it to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, and look at most of the things, most of the things I've ever worried about in my life. I don't know about you, but by far the vast majority, you know, I, I don't know what the number would be, but it would be 90-something percent of everything I ever worried about never happened. So that's one of, one kind of source of uh, non-joy in our life. <laughs> what else? What else do you find? The sense of, of wanting things to be different. Wanting things to be different. Resistance, non-acceptance. So your friend calls and says, "Oh, I just got back from the doctor, and the results of the test, you know, it's, it's positive. I've got." Pancreatic cancer. Mm. Mm. Wow. What do you do with that? Mm. I mean, really, what do you do with that? I would guess that the first thing you do is you put yourself in the other person's place. And you, you sort of go through this fantasy process, might happen in a split second, but, oh, if that were me, I would feel so bad. Uh, I would be terrified. And so you experience that bad feeling and that terrifiedness. And, and then what do you do? You say, Oh, that's so terrible. I'm so sorry to hear that. You must be so upset. How does that make the other person feel? Even worse. Even more, yeah. If they already felt that way, they feel that way even more. And maybe they didn't feel that way. Maybe they were, maybe it hadn't quite registered yet. But this gives them the cue. Ah, this is how I'm supposed to feel. Or, or maybe they had already started coming to a place of acceptance with this. Okay, well, I guess this is what's happening. This is what I have to deal with. But now what are you doing? You're, you're, you're telling them, yeah, you're suggesting to them unintentionally, maybe you're wrong. Maybe this, you know, maybe you should be upset about this. Maybe you should be worried. Yes. Now, couldn't it also be that if they're feeling that by hearing you kind of reflect it, mm-hmm. I feel like you could also ease the feelings to some degree. Like you, in some cases, depending on the person, like yeah. hearing someone else reflect that back to them, you know, like a therapist would maybe do, you know, there's like a resonance and a, almost a release. Right, right. Yeah, a therapist is trained to exactly not to do that. Don't, don't project your feelings onto your client. Mm-hmm. Instead, you say, and so how does that make you feel? <laughs> right, you you get out of the way and you try to let them bring their feelings forward. That that's a much more. But you can do the same thing yourself. Instead of reacting to the bad news, you be your own therapist. You say, okay, so how does that make you feel? Is that good or is that bad? And uh, what do you do with it from there? Allow yourself to examine those feelings and be realistic about it. You know, there are a lot of bad things that happen in life. It's just the way life is. But we don't have to always be in conflict with them. As a matter of fact, the only effect that ever comes of resisting what is is to make yourself unhappy. That, would you agree with that? That is the only consequence. Now, you can take action to change things, 
you can take action in the present to influence the future. You don't have to accept that what is necessarily needs to continue. But the only effect of struggling with what already is is to make yourself and the other people that you affect around you unhappy. So, so that's this is this is the things we have to keep in mind. We have to see our mind. Our mind is the way it is because it's it's been useful. It's been helpful. It served a purpose to be that way. And what is the purpose that it served? Well, us humans evolved these big frontal lobes so that we could project into the future and imagine all kinds of things that might happen so that we can uh, do things, take steps, take action to prevent bad things from happening. And it helped us in that we've survived better you know, we learn to do things like uh, uh, grow food and store it up for times of famine. And, you know, all kinds of other good things like that. But it's kind of out of control because that tendency in your mind, its purpose was not to make you happy. You did not evolve a brain with this capacity so that you would be a more happy person. Do you know why your brain evolved in this way? So that you would survive better than somebody whose brain didn't work that way. And so that you would reproduce and have offspring that would survive better. That was the sole reason. And nowhere in there was your happiness factored into it. As a matter of fact, if you look around the world, the more unhappy people are, the more they tend to go out and do things. And of course, they end up making a mess of things in, in many cases. But in a simpler time, in a more distant past, going out and doing things because you were unhappy probably ended up with you having more resources available to prolong your unhappy existence. <laughs> and of course you could produce more unhappy children that could survive. <laughs> anyway, I, the point is that you're the one that's responsible. You have the capacity for joy. You have the capacity for happiness. It is, it is built into you. But we've our, our minds, our brains have taken this direction that has served a purpose, but now is the time that we need to take responsibility for our happiness and our joy, and so that's what that's what we're doing now. Yes. I'm getting back to the uh, friend who has uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, <clears throat> would it be uh, compassionate then, and not uh, extending an unhappy feeling? To ask that person, what can I do? Of course, yeah. You ask them. That, that's what you want to do, is, is to see what you can do. Yeah. But you're not going to help them either going into a state of resistance and rejection and grief. Uh, and especially you're not going to help them by encouraging them to enter into a state of resistance, rejection, and grief. The positive place is what can I, is there anything I can do? Or what can we do? Yes. Yeah. What can we do together? Isn't that the same as uh, when, you, when you read the news and it's terrible? Mm -hmm. Instead of plunging into that sense of uh, despair to say, well, what can we do? Right. That's so far. That's right. Without anger. Yes. What can we do without anger, without attachment? What's reasonable to do? And sometimes there's not anything you can do. And so at that point, you just accept that, okay, this this one's this one's beyond me. Yeah, I, I can't go down there and get those Chilean lights. Right. <laughs> yes. Well that was another interesting one. Like, isn't it wonderful they all got up yeah, alive? That was, uh, that isn't was it wonderful that the, the the company and the government actually got behind making the effort to save these people? Yes. Yes. Because Fantastic. 
they, they could have done otherwise, but they got them all up. But then I did notice that all the celebration, and you're so happy to have, and every article and every news thing that I saw also included, but psychologists say they'll all suffer from PTSD. <laughs> They may all sue the government as well. <laughs> <laughs> they may sue the government. Okay, so we can see how our minds do these things, and we can see how, as, as, as natural and normal as they seem, they're not necessarily okay. And if we're taking responsibility, we need to recognize those things that our mind does that are not necessarily okay and do something about them. Yeah? Um, if all that cogitation and mental stuff is here, where is joy and how do we access it? Well, it's there too. That's the, that's the interesting thing about that. It, it is there too. If it wasn't there, we'd be, we'd be in tough shape, but it is. <laughs> that's why we can do something about this. So. Yeah. For me, what you're talking about is the fighting mind. And for instance, like I have a little sinus this morning, a little, a little pain. Yeah. And if I fight with it, it gets worse and I feel more pain. Yes. But if I meditate and kind of spread the focus out, the pain decreases and goes away and I can feel a little joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it goes on for a long time. So yeah. it's almost like a training except it wears me out sometimes and then I kind of lose it. But uh, it's exactly what you're talking about. The more I calm down, um, the less the pain is. And, and one of the things that I think I heard you say is there's joy there too. It's just that when you become preoccupied with pain, the joy slips into the background and gets lost. Yes? Yeah. Well, going back to these miners in Chile, um, what was uh, interesting is that, you know, on, this, on these pictures, while uh, they were still captured, uh, dipped inside, they were quite joyful, actually. Yeah. They were smiling, there was mm-hmm. a lot of sense of camaraderie and, and solidarity. So, uh, so it was kind of amazing that even under such extreme circumstances, Mm-hmm. They were able to <laughs> be joyful. At least they presented themselves like this. Yeah, and this is this is not unusual at all. Uh, they were happy to be alive. Right? They were really happy to be alive. And once communication had been made, mm-hmm. I think it was something like 17 days. They didn't have any food and water except what got trapped down there with them. And during that time, you know, you don't see that on the camera, but apparently there were a few very strong, very mature individuals who took control and calmed everybody down. And ration uh, apparently they lived on two spoonfuls of, of tuna fish, one cracker, and half a cup of milk per person every 48 hours until they, until they were able to send food down to them. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And it would have been much worse had there not been somebody there who was able to introduce some, some, some calm and some rationality to the situation, they might have ended up fighting over what there was, harming each other, consuming it all in two or three days, and then by the 17th day, some of them would uh, have been severely uh, starved. One of them was a diabetic. I don't know what would happen to him if he'd had no food at all for that period, things like that. What's that? It's probably Maybe, yeah. <laughs> probably lost weight. <laughs> but, you know, uh, things can go either way. But very often in very difficult situations, what we see is that most of the stuff that makes people unhappy, they forget about. It. You know, when you survive something, you're so happy to be alive that <laughs> you're, you're just not so worried about the mortgage, you know, or whether your teenager is going to develop a drug problem or something. It's like, that can wait. That can wait. And that's, I think there's an important 
piece of information in there is that because isn't it amazing to us how many people who seem to have everything can be so unhappy It's also amazing how happy people with nothing can be. So that by itself is another illustration of what we've been talking about. But, you know, as as we all know, money doesn't necessarily make people happy. And people who seem to have everything, good looks, health, money, love, attention, fame, are sometimes very, very unhappy. Because you always have the capacity to dwell, to be judgmental, to create expectations that cannot be fulfilled or not fulfilled, and to experience unhappiness because of it. So you can be unhappy under any kind of circumstances. And people in, in very difficult situations uh, have a lot of that trivial stuff just wiped right out of the way. You know, you're so happy to survive. Or somebody near to you has had a serious illness, but you know you get the good news that they're going to get better, or comes through surgery successfully. You know, uh, look at all the pain that's involved in situations like that. But we disregard the pain to worry about paying the doctor bills, the time lost from work, all the other problems, we focus on the joy, on the happiness, on the good aspect of things that, yeah. And so this, this all has something to teach us. If we want to understand the way our minds work and to direct our minds in a positive direction, this is all important information. Yeah. I do have a question to that. When you ask, uh, talked earlier about the acceptance when something serious happens and looking at the positive side, where is that fine line to denial? I have a very close friend who is uh, has prostate cancer and his wife finally forced him to go to the doctor and it's too late now. And he has months and months symptoms and said, I'm fine, I'm, you know, and he was totally not wanting to look at this. So what is that line between positive thinking in quotes and uh, Between positive thinking and sensible action? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I think that's something that we've all got to decide for ourselves. And an important thing is examining yourself honestly. I mean, was that really positive thinking or was that fear? I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for that person. But I know that that would, for me, that would be a very important question to ask myself, you know. Uh, is this really positive thinking or am I afraid of what I'm going to find out? And, uh, and that would be denial out of fear, yeah. right? Yeah. That's right. It would be denial. And only, only introspection and honesty is going to be able to distinguish between those. You and I as outsiders looking in will never really be able to tell. Okay. Well, I kept you uh, sitting here thinking and talking about this for 45 minutes. What I'd like to do now is we'll have a meditation, but first I'm going to give you a chance to take a break, go to the bathroom, and then come back and get really, really comfortable. Um, then we're going to meditate together for about half an hour. In that half an hour, I want you to practice applying the things that we've talked about. Now, and we'll take some tips from the studies of flow. So, the meditation practice that I do, and I suggest you do, is to practice uh, paying attention to the sensations produced by the breath as you breathe in and breathe out. If you have another practice that you would like to do, that's fine. Do that other practice. In the breath meditation, the task is very simple, to try to observe every, to be continuously aware of every part of the, of the breath cycle, of the sensations 
when the air begins to enter your nostrils and as it continues to flow in, and then as it slows and stops, and then that little pause, and then as the air begins to flow out and a different set of sensations arise, and then, and then that flow stops, and, and the process repeats itself. Now, this is, this is a challenge, but it's a challenge that you're capable of mastering at least for a certain period of time, at least for a number of breaths at a time. And so this is success. Every time you've managed to follow the whole cycle of the breath without getting lost, without forgetting what you're doing, that's success. Keep that in mind. So now you have, you have a clear goal and you have immediate feedback because you know when your attention has wandered off somewhere else. And anytime your attention has not wandered off, and you, then you have success. So see if you can use that as a basis for sustaining a joyful state of mind, pleased with your ability to do that. Now, whether you're doing this practice or any other practice, there's a very good chance at some point your mind is going to take a little side trip and you're going to forget what you're doing. And then you're going to realize that that's happened. Now, I'll point out to you, you are not responsible for the side trip that your mind went on. You didn't decide to do it. You didn't make it happen. You are not responsible for the fact that you came back into present awareness and said, oh, wait a minute, this isn't what I was supposed to be doing. What are you, what can you be responsible for? What's that? Returning to the breath. Returning to the breath, and also before returning to the breath, you have some influence over how your mind responds to what happens. Now, what, what you should do is take a moment to appreciate, ah, I'm awake again, I'm alert again, I'm aware again, aha, wonderful. And then gently bring your attention back to the breath. So that too is a success. Okay, what, now, if when you realize that your mind had taken a little journey, you judge yourself and you feel badly, uh, does that make any sense? No, it doesn't make any sense at all. And what you're doing is you're labeling it a failure. And if what's necessary for flow to develop is that you have, you, the only expectations you hold for yourself are the ones that you're capable of fulfilling. And the only time that you failed is when you when you fail to do what you are capable of, then this too is a part of a flow activity. So every breath that you successfully follow is a success. And every time that you realize your mind has wandered and you acknowledge that you are now in a more aware, conscious state of mind, and gently bring your attention back to the breath, that is also a success. So your meditation, I want you to make your meditation a success. No matter what happens, it's a success. Now if a thought comes and says, oh God, this is going on too long, okay? Did you create that thought? Whoever you is, did you? <laughs> Do you have a responsibility for that thought? Yeah. You do? Really? Yeah. You chose, you said, ah, I think I'm going to have this. I'm, I'm I, my mind chose it. Oh, you're, okay, <laughs> it's bad, your mind. Because you, you and all of this is an illusion. So, <laughs> that thought came up. What you as the doer, all the, you know, when we come to intention here, this is about all all of the you that we're going to that we're going to acknowledge for the moment is that when that thought comes up, you have two choices. 
you can latch onto it and wallow in it, or you can say, aha, okay, I'll let that thought go, and where is that breath again? Ah, ah, here it is. If you do that, then it's a success. No matter what thought comes up, no matter what feeling comes up, boredom, restlessness, anything else, success is what you do with that. And if you acknowledge it and let go of it, set it aside and go back, then that's success. And it doesn't matter how many times it happens. For that, if you just, you can make your meditation, the entire meditation, be a success. Okay? So, we're going to meditate, and I want you to turn that meditation into a flow experience and see what happens with that. Now, the other thing is when we're meditating, I'm going to ask you to be aware of pleasant sensations in your body and pleasantness in your mind. Feelings of satisfaction, happiness, contentment, peace, things like that. And being aware of those is part of your meditation. Okay? So noticing how good you feel right now in the middle of your meditation is part of the meditation. Thinking about it isn't. And if that happens, you just, okay, there's that thought, you acknowledge it, like, go no, back to it. But experiencing the pleasantness of it is part of the meditation. And as you will have noticed, even when you're paying attention to the sensations of the breath, or whatever other kind of meditation you're doing, you continue to have all kinds of other things in your awareness at the same time, right? That's always true. That's always true. So what I want you to do is, since you're going to be aware of other things in the background, even while you're focused on meditation, make pleasant bodily and pleasant mental experiences to be what, make sure they stay there in the background. Don't let them drift out of sight. Especially don't let them drift out of sight in favor of uh, other things. 